Well, you may have noticed that something in this, this sanctuary is a little bit different today. Yep, there's an elephant in the room. It says, almost took you out, brother. I'm glad you didn't get taken out. Yes, there is an elephant in the room. What's he doing here? He's kind of in the way. He's sort of distracting, isn't he? But he is here for a purpose. He is here to represent the fact that just because one is sitting in church and in a church service listening to a pastor preach doesn't necessarily mean that one is fully on board with what the pastor is saying. Sometimes Christianity creates issues for us and it creates an elephant in the room as the preacher is preaching. And it is here to acknowledge that in our society, there are many people that where the elephant in the room is what the Bible has to say, what the Bible teaches. In fact, actually, the Bible becomes, in a way, the elephant in the room. And I'm not going to, for the sake of this series, argue uh, the validity uh, and and, uh, the reason why I believe that the Bible is the word of God with you today. What I am going to do in this series is just simply tell you what the Bible has to say about some difficult issues that people have with with the teaching of scriptures. It creates an elephant in the room sometimes, and we need at times as churches, as Christians, to be willing to have a conversation. It might not always make people feel comfortable, but that's the elephant in the room. And so we're going to be looking at some of those things together. I have come to the conclusion and the understanding that it's okay for uh, for people to look at me because they know what I believe, to, to look at me and think that I'm weird. And I'm okay with that because for so many, Christianity has issues and it creates problems. And in our society, more and more Christians are viewed as somebody out of touch. And there's an elephant in the room. I think we all will admit that the Bible teaches some really radical things. And it calls us to a pretty different lifestyle than most live. And it goes against the grain of what most people think and most people do. You see, that's just the society we are part of and the world that we live in. So, yes, there's an elephant in the room. And we're going to spend a little time in this series looking at some of those things that just make us go, wow, that's really there. So let me start us out with something that um, happened to Jesus as he was ministering. We're going to find this story in Matthew chapter 18, and this is pretty deep into his time of ministry upon the earth. He had a a group of followers, the disciples, and you know the names of many of them, Peter, James, John, and others that were part of his followers. And one day, Peter was struggling with Jesus. There was an elephant in the room for him because Peter was struggling with this whole notion of um, how, how... How is it that I have people who offend me and anger me and Jesus keeps telling me to love them? And so I know I'm supposed to forgive them, but just how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? 
And so I want to read this to you because that's the mindset of Peter when he approaches Jesus. We're looking at uh, Matthew 18, 21. Matthew 18, 21. And here's the instance. Here's Peter. He's pondering this for a while. I want you to kind of get that as a background for you. He's been thinking about this. This has been in his heart. And he's frustrated. Okay, so he, here it is. Verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Please be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But then that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe, owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had a man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that is owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's one of those things about the Lord God that we Christians um, are most thankful for. We love the fact that we serve a forgiving God. And please don't go out of here thinking, I don't think that God is a merciful, forgiving God. He certainly is. We loved that he has an immensely, immensely merciful and forgiving heart. We love the promises and the assurances that he gives us that tell us he is poised to forgive us when we sin. And all Christians are familiar with him uh, pretty much and can quote John, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I love this part. And to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Oh, we Christians love that. What a glorious thing. That Romans chapter 8 verse 1 promises there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What an incredible gift that God gives to us, that He would take our sins away. What a wonderful thing it is to know that all of our sins, no matter what they are, have been forgiven, and they're gone, and we're not condemned for any of that. And we love that about the Lord. We love His willingness and His capacity to forgive us. The elephant is in the room is what Jesus went and said to Peter. And he actually said it in other places, such as Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, 
Your father will not forgive your sins. That's the elephant. That's a tough issue. And a lot more people wrestle and grapple with this and rationalize themselves around this than we want to admit. Amen, oh my, or ouch. And that's the elephant today that we're going to look at. Jesus actually said this. Jesus actually informed us that if we want to have forgiveness for our sins, then we need to be willing to let go and forgive others who have hurt us, who have harmed us. It sounds a little paradoxical that to be forgiven by God, one must forgive. But there it is. The forgiveness of the Lord is conditional on us forgiving others. That's it. Why is forgiving tied to gaining God's forgiveness? Why is it necessary that if we want our sins to not be remembered against us, to to forgive other people who have sinned against us? Why did the Lord say such a thing? Well, I would suggest three things to you very quickly and grapple with this with me. And and I'm going to go right to the scripture that Jesus or the the lesson that Jesus taught us to try to draw from out of here. Why I believe, why I'm convinced it is imperative if you want God to forgive you that you're willing to forgive others. Let me start with this. It's because God offers such a great mercy to us. In verses 24 through 27, we will see that a man came before the king This story that Jesus is telling. And this man owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question. Is there anybody in here who, if you owed somebody 10,000 bags of gold and it was demanded of you within a week to pay that, is there anybody who could lift your hand and say, I could cover that? If you do, I need to talk to you after church. (laughs) We're going to we're going to talk. If you're like me, that's a hopeless cause. 10,000 bags of gold. That's such a debt. That's such an enormous debt for us to even consider that I can't even wrap my mind around it. Why would, what in the world, why would the king have ever lent this guy that? I don't know how he got in so much debt, but there he was. But Jesus told this scenario to help you and I see that what God has done for us is by far even greater than having 10,000 bags of gold forgiven. What God has offered to us is even richer than that. The debt that he offers to forgive us of is unpayable for many of us. We can't pay that debt. Unpayable. Probably not a word. It is a principle, though, that God is showing us. Whatever someone has done to harm us does not compare. It pales in comparison to how egregious even one of my sins against the holy God has been. We have to understand that this is tied in, this lesson is tied in to a perfectly holy God. And that sin is an egregious debt to him. And that when God forgives a sin, he is forgiving something that is enormous for us to understand. And no matter what has happened to us by somebody else, it's little compared to what God has offered to us when he forgives us. And that's partially why God would say, if you can't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. For God to forgive us, to me, is nothing short of a miracle. Every time I've had to say, Lord, God, forgive me. I've owed him so much. 
Because that's the power of my sin in my life. Our sin cost a pure and holy God nothing but heaven's best. It cost God a great sacrifice. He forgives our sins through the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Blood was shed because of my sin. His son's blood was shed because of my sin. And the debt of our sin was paid in that blood. In this story, Jesus states that asking for God's forgiveness for one's own sin, all the while withholding forgiveness from somebody else who has harmed us, is not only bizarre, and isn't this a bizarre story, but it is absolutely hypocritical. I just can't imagine what I, what, what, what I would do if I owe all, even all my debts today. If suddenly my mortgage was forgiven, I don't know about you, but if all of a sudden I received a notice in the mail, listen, we're just forgiving your mortgage. I can tell you, you would hear my shouts from wherever you are. Man, that would be incredible to not have a house payment. Amen. What if all of your debts, whatever they are right now, what if they were all just now canceled? We'd be hooping and hollering in here. We'd be throwing a little party. If suddenly you owe zero, it's all forgiven. And it would be an amazing and wonderful thing. And some of us know what debt-free living is, and that's a whole other message and a whole other series. But just to think about the power of that moment for us, how much greater is it? And I don't know that we fully appreciate it. I think somewhere in American churches, we have lost sight of what a great miracle it is that God has not held our sins against us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All because of him. None of our sins are going to be remembered against me or you. And let me tell you something. I don't want to go to eternity and have God say, you remember when you. Do you see what you I don't want that in front of me. Let me just say this to you. That's why. Because God, through the work of his beautiful son, Jesus Christ, took our sins away. He took them all away. And you don't owe God anything except your love. What a powerful, wonderful thing that is. Amen. So. It is because of the amount of debt that I owed and that you owed. It is because God has offered such great mercy to us that he can say to us, unless you can forgive people, I can't forgive you. I believe he has a right to say it. Here's the second thing that I would suggest to you. It's because others are influenced through us. And you can see in verses 28 through 30 what happens. This man doesn't forgive the debt of somebody who owes him a 100 silver coins. He used to owe 10,000 bags of gold. I keep saying that, but oh my word. And he's strangling this guy. He's choking him and he has the nerve to put this guy in jail. Now, can I just back up and tell you the dynamic of this? Because this is what this man was facing. The king had every right as the person who was owed it to call in the debt. And if there was an inability to pay in the law of the culture that Jesus was preaching to at that time and teaching in that culture, it was acceptable and it was a practice for a debtor to be sold by the person that they were indebted to. And if it was a great enough debt, the king would have been able to sell him, his wife, his children his property, and take it all. 
He could separate them if that's what he deemed best. I can get more money if I separate Kip and Claudia. I'll get more money separate from them. He could do that. <laughs> Why did I even mention Kip? Go back to sleep. But he, that was, that was the lull of the day. And here is this man that, this is such an egregious thing to me. Here is this man who was just forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. He saved his wife. He, he got to keep his family. He got to be together. This man then begins to choke another servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. And it's just such a, an outrage to the rest of the servants. They can't stand it. They're looking at this and say, what is this man's problem? Is he mentally ill? And they they go to the king to tell him what has happened. See, we need to understand that what we do after we have been forgiven, listen to me for a second, church, what we do is being watched. What we do and how we act and the things we say is is affecting people around us. Our children see us. Our neighbors see us. People around us see us. And for us to be so glib and so, how do I say this, petty, as to be unwilling to forgive somebody when they have uh, sinned against us and offended us, when God has been so good to us, only spoils opportunity for God to minister to the lives of other people. Because they look and I just have to wonder how many people will go into eternity Without God, because they are so turned off by Christians. Amen. That's good preaching right there. It's not comfortable, but it's the elephant in the room. And that's what we do. We mistreat people by just, just re- for ridiculous reasons. We'd rather hold a grudge against somebody who has hurt us. And hold them accountable. And make sure they pay every last bit. For what you hurt me, I'm going to make you pay. And when non-believers see believers acting like that, it's no wonder to me that they are sick to their stomach. And the fellow servants were, were just so affected by what this guy did. That they said, this is ridiculous. This man is choking another servant and he's, he's, he's throwing him in jail. This man should have been in jail. This man could have been sold. And, and that is why it's such a terrible thing for us to walk around and say to, our, to, say to others, I won't forgive them. And yet we just expect that God will forgive us. Can I tell you something without hurting your feelings? God doesn't owe you squat. He doesn't owe me anything. If he forgives me, it's a great mercy. If God does anything for me, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I can't go to God and say, listen, you're on the hook. You made promises, buddy. You better, you better come through. I better have my Cadillac tomorrow. And, and I get amazed at how people treat God. God, you had the audacity to let something bad happen to me when I have worked so hard and done you so many favors. You know I never missed a week of church. I pay my tithes, God. How dare you let something bad happen to us? And we even get mad at God. And I just have to tell you, he doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. What a terrible thing then when we have a spirit that says, listen, God, I want him to forgive me. But this person, mm -mm, no, I hope they die. 
And that's our attitude sometimes. And I have to tell you, it's why God has tied that. This is a big deal. He has tied us having mercy to us showing mercy. And listen, some of us are all caught up in this trap. And it's ruining you. I have to wonder how many people who were believers shipwrecked their faith because they refused to forgive someone. And then bitterness took hold. And bitterness wrecks you. I don't know why it is that we think when we're bitter against somebody else, we're harming them. We may be, but I promise you, it's a lot worse for us. It's like that message I preached uh, some time ago, hanging on to a bobcat and letting it just scratch the living daylights out of you. Makes no sense. But I want to challenge you that one of the reasons God attached this and had such meaning put to this, our forgiving others, is because of the influence that we have on others. People are watching the church today. And if there's ever been a time in America where people are really looking at at us, bad or good, it is now. Oh, they're watching us evangelicals. And some some people are very angry with us. And I will say, if we're dumb enough to hold grudges and be unforgiving, then what we're doing is harming a lot of people. And that's not glorifying to God. No wonder he said, I can't forgive you if you're not going to forgive others. Look at how the actions of this servant affected the other servants and the poor man who owed him the money and the family of that man. He threw that man in jail. It's just so sad. And the other servants just couldn't even stomach it. Made the church man, if you will, if you would make that analogy. And doesn't it, church, can I talk for a second? Doesn't it hurt when one of our own acts like a nut like that? Doesn't it break our hearts? Doesn't Doesn't it feel awful to us? Because we love the church and we love the body of Christ. And when one of us goes rogue like that and acts like an unbeliever, it hurts us all. Finally, I would suggest to you that Jesus ties this to, to, to so tightly, our forgiving, to him, our Father forgiving us, because he offers the means to give mercy. He provides the strength that we need to give mercy. I'm, I'm showing you on the screen verses 32 and 33, and it's, it's the master saying to the servant, when I gave you so much mercy, didn't you have any mercy left in your heart? After I gave you so much, you, you mean to tell me you couldn't find enough mercy to give this guy a little time to pay you back? And Jesus never said the man didn't owe the money to him. He just said, how could you be so unmerciful? And here's something that I need for all of us to remember here, because I know, I know that it is possible that somebody here listening to me today and, and is looking at this biblical principle, you're looking at it and saying, this is nuts. How can you expect me, Pastor Ken, to forgive somebody who has done the things that have been done to me? You don't even know. This preacher has no clue what my life has been and the things that are, have been happening and are happening to me. And so if this is what God's standard is, it's impossible. I can't do it. How can I possibly forgive for what has been done to me? How can I do it? This preacher knows nothing about my life and how hard it is or what has happened. 
And maybe somebody feels here today, this is absolutely unfair and unreasonable, and I don't even need to come here anymore because this is nuts. If that's God's standard, then I don't have a chance. I cannot do this. I'm asking you to please hear me. The Bible tells us that God forgives people through the mighty work of the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me on the screen at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. Let me read this to you. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Please notice that last verse. God forgave you in Christ. God forgave you because Jesus went to a cross. And we're going to be entering into an Easter season pretty soon. And we're, that's, that's one of the things we always consider is the, is the cross. And I, I just want to remind you of something I probably say every year. It's just because we're Americans that I think in our culture we forget just how gruesome and how horrible the cross was. It was awful. What Jesus did was beyond anything you or I could imagine. The amount of suffering that he went through, not just physically, which was awful. His emotional turmoil, his spiritual battle that he fought on a cross for us. And I want you to know there's power in the blood that was shed that day. There's power in the work of Jesus Christ. There was power. Yes, it killed him, but he rose again in power. There's power in the cross. So when God forgives us, he taps into the power of what Jesus did for you and me. When he hung there, he hung there for you. And he shed his blood for you, and he shed his blood for me. And through his power... He gave the grace and, the, and the, the amazing ability, capacity for God through that to make it right between us and God. And I promise you, what I have done is far more egregious against God than anything anybody has ever done to me. And I've been hurt. Of course I have. I've lived 60 years on this planet. Yeah, I've been hurt. All of us have. And all of us experience these things. The way that you are empowered to forgive someone is through what Jesus has done. Please notice in these verses, there are ungodly things, unwholesome talk with words that tear people down instead of building them up. They become words that are not beneficial. They hurt people. People with attitudes that lead to unwholesome talk grieve the Holy Spirit. And when these attitudes are not checked and corrected, they lead to bitterness. And that's sin. Angry rage, that's sin. Brawling, which is sinful. Slander, again, sinful. And every form of malice, which is egregious to God. So please catch that we have the, the ability to forgive through everything that Jesus has done. We show kindness and compassion and forgive through Christ the same way God showed kindness and compassion and forgave us. It can be done if we are willing to allow God to work in our lives. If we trust in the work of the cross. That's the means that we have to forgive others. We tap the riches of Christ. We forgive them because we love Jesus. We forgive because that's the power to give us the ability to do it. 
So please, please hear me say this as I wrap this message up because I don't want you to run out of here and think that I'm saying that it's wrong to be angry or hurt when somebody offends you. It isn't. And it's not a sin to feel anger and hurt when somebody does something wrong to you. Most of us know that what the Bible does say is in your anger, don't sin. Don't sin in your anger. But it is natural and appropriate when you've been mistreated, disrespected, disregarded, mischaracterized, to feel offended, maybe hurt, maybe angry. Forgiving someone isn't pretending that it didn't happen. Forgiving someone is not saying that they didn't harm you. Forgiving someone has nothing to do with, with uh, just denying it happened. I'm not in any way a proponent of saying, just pretend. That's not what this is about. This isn't about pretending that you weren't hurt or that bad things didn't, don't happen to you or didn't happen to you. One commentator put it this way. I liked what he wrote here. So I, I'm, I'm going to quote this and read this to you. Forgiveness takes place when a person who was offended and justly angered by the offender bears his own anger and lets the other go free. Anger can't be ignored, denied, or forgotten. It must be dealt with responsibly Honestly, and in a decisive act of the will, either the injured and justifiably angry person vents his feelings on the other in retaliation. That is an attempt at achieving justice as accuser, judge and hangman all in one or the injured person may choose to accept his angry feelings, bear the burden of them personally and set the other person free. This is forgiveness. Folks, that's the elephant in the room. Because for some of this, this is a hidden home. And if it isn't, be grateful. I'm not trying to be arrogant here. Be very grateful if you're not struggling in your own heart with past hurts and hanging on to the harm and the hurt that somebody has brought to you. You're not struggling with forgiving somebody. You should be very grateful to the Lord and attribute it to God's grace. Okay? But there are some in this room that God gave this message to me for you. I'm just going to tell you, when I was preparing this series, this didn't enter my mind. This wasn't going to be one of the elephants in the room that I was going to talk about. But the Holy Spirit very clearly said to me that he wanted me to bring you here. There's an elephant in the room in the church today. And it's this. We can't have forgiveness from our Father if we can't love each other and forgive one another. And somebody in here is really, really struggling with this you're angry and you don't know how to let it go and i'm telling you today that there is a means it's called the cross yes we come to the cross and we seek the mercy of jesus for our soul and i invite you come to the cross for that Find how much God loves you. Watch his arms open up wide. Watch him forgive you. Watch the blood of Christ take your sins away. Do that. But also, if you are struggling with anger and bitterness and and hatefulness in your heart, I'm promising you that in the shadow of the cross, that melts away. When you get a vision of all that Jesus has done for you, it humbles you. And you don't hold a grudge anymore. You realize, look, whatever has been done to me or is being done to me is nothing compared to what my sins have done to God. And you'll be able to have compassion 
I'm not telling you not to feel hurt. I'm saying to you that God demands that we offer to let it, let them go and deal with our own anger and release this. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find so much freedom when you forgive, when you let it go. It's going to set your heart free to soar for the glory of God. The lift will be your heart. The freedom and the burden that you have been carrying will be lifted off. And you will feel it. You will know it as you release this to God and say, oh, God, I don't want to be this way. Please hear me. I'm not a pastor worth his salt if I don't say this to you. Jesus said it so plainly. This what I, with the servant, what happened to the servant after he wouldn't forgive, this is how my father will treat anyone who does not forgive others from their heart. That's what we just read. I don't know how else to read those words. I don't know how else to read Matthew chapter, what is it? Yes, thank you. Matthew chapter 6. That's what I was looking for. Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 15. I'm sorry, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's just not any gray area. I want you to have your sins forgiven. And I want you to walk in the freedom of of not being angry and bitter. I want you to be able to forgive. And so I've come to the end of this message, and I'm be honest with you, I'm just as clueless as I've been all week about what do I do with this, Lord, now that I preached in the elephants here. Yesterday you would have died laughing as I was preaching. Our elephant has a slow leak. He laid down. <laughs> it's laid over. I, I said to somebody, uh, the elephant ran out of air before the preacher did, you know. <laughs> but that said, my friends, I am, I am at the end of this sermon. And I am going to ask Joe to come forward, if he will, because I feel like I need to at least give an opportunity for us to respond to God in some way. And listen, at any point in our church, it is always an appropriate and a good thing if you should need to pray up front and to kneel up front and pray to the Lord. That's an appropriate thing. And I would never stand in your way. I don't feel necessarily led to call you up front, but if you want to come forward, come forward. I want you to, I want to meet you. I want to pray with you. But I do feel like today as we wrap this service up, we, we all could maybe do a little bit of searching and thinking about what's going on in our hearts. And there may be somebody here who just has to say, you know what, God, I have to just, I have to give this to you. I've carried this around and I've been so upset and I'm hurt, Lord. I don't even know how to make this happen, but I believe that the scriptures are true, that there is a means and that it is the cross. And in my heart, in my, my mind, I'm appearing before the cross. And I think it's appropriate for us to start with, Lord, I am sorry. I'm just so sorry for my ugly attitude and this bitterness. I can't hide it from you. You see it all. And I ask you to please forgive me. And then I I want to ask you to, to the Lord in your heart 
Name the people or the person. And when you're ready, say, God, by your help through the cross, I'm letting go and I forgive them. Can I tell you, I've had to do this a lot. Started years ago with my mom. I had to do it. After years of abuse and things that she did to me, I had to find a day where I was willing to just name her and say, God, I forgive her. Couldn't go to her because she's, she's passed away. But I had to just get to the place where I just forgave her. And there are people in your life. We all have them. I've had to name names to the Lord and say, look, Lord, I have no right to hold an angry judge, uh, grudge against them. I'm just going to let them go. I forgive them, Lord. And be honest with you, so you know, this is often a process. You can do it today and you can walk out of here feeling awful. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But as you do it day by day, and that's what I've had to do, day after day, one of the first things out of my mouth would be in my heart, Lord, I forgive this person. I, I, I said I would and I do. And eventually forgiveness came and my heart got free. And that's what you need to do. You need to be willing to do the work and start today and say, I'm appearing at the cross through the cross, through what Jesus did.